I want to welcome everyone to Florida Appeals Journal, the podcast. I'm Jennifer Carroll, and this is the audio-only version of our YouTube presentation of issues that we believe to be of real significance to everyday practitioners. We're starting our series on the subject, Extraordinary Writs. And yes, they are called extraordinary for a reason. So sit back, take a listen, and let's find out what it means to be extraordinary. Welcome to today's edition of Florida Appeals Journal. I'm Jennifer Carroll. And today we're going to talk about a less common, but naturally very important writ called the writ of habeas corpus. I'm sure everybody has heard of habeas corpus, uh, but what do you use it for? And is it just restricted to criminal? Most people think it's a criminal uh, writ, has to do only with criminal cases, or can you use it in civil cases? And what is it all about? All right, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Let's first try to understand what it's all about, and then how do you use it effectively in your role as a civil litigator? Okay, whether it's at the trial level or the appellate level. So the term habeas corpus means what? Okay, it means, quote, you have the body. So what habeas corpus does, it tests the legality of a detention or a restraint. And the goal is to use it really almost, I guess it's an emergency basis, to uh, test the legality of a detention or restraint. And to determine if, you know, you can get that detainee uh, released or that restraint lifted. And restraint, you have all sorts of restraints, all forms. So habeas is often used in the civil context. Um, When you think of it in the criminal context, you need to be aware. And I would think most of you all know this. I I know it mainly because if I worked as a a law clerk in Tallahassee for a few years, uh, many years ago, and there's a rule of criminal procedure, uh, Florida Rule of Criminal Procedure 3.850. That's a motion that's used to vacate, set aside an illegal sentence. So when that came into being, that really took away the use of the habeas corpus. You didn't need it anymore. You can follow the rules uh, of 3.850 and challenge an illegal sentence uh, conviction. Uh, And that's, that's the most popular way when dealing with the criminal cases. You still have some criminal, of course, cases where habeas is used, but in the civil context, uh, how does it arise? Well, believe it or not, it's used in uh, child custody determinations uh, as a, a way to get quick relief. Okay. Uh, then it's also used to challenge civil commitment uh, cases. So you have like a Baker Act proceeding. Someone's been, you know, have civil commitment with that. Uh, and is it the, the Jim Rice uh, trying to give you the case sites on that? Uh, that and that's one where, uh, yeah, the Jimmy Rice Act. And I don't deal a lot with the Jimmy Rice Act, but I'm familiar with it. And that governs civil commitment of sex offenders uh, as, uh, quote, sexually violent predators. So the whole area of law with that. But again, that's considered civil commitment. And I'm going to put up the sites. Uh, we'll, we'll have it on our 
our website, our journal site for the specific citations, but you want to be aware of those cases um, to show you examples of how to use it. And in the child custody, I just always think that's interesting because uh, if anybody does family law, uh, that's always things should be treated as an emergency basis, but they aren't. I think it's a very very slow system and you have to have a lot of patience. And when things need to be treated as an emergency, uh, there's a debate on what constitutes an emergency. So anyway, habeas is used. I one example. I, I kind of like this case. It, it shows uh, the third district, Brown v. Tan, 395 Southern 2nd, 1249, 30 CA 81 case. But that's an interesting case. You had the dad and the child residing in Singapore and mom, uh, I believe, was in South Florida and child visiting mom. Uh, mom's not going to return the child. So uh, there's a, a petition for writ of habeas filed in the appellate court or in the, in the, the lower court uh, to go ahead and get uh, uh, the child, uh, I guess, back to the dad, number one. But they also wanted to try to determine actually child custody. And in that case, the appellate court was saying uh, that, well, we don't really know who has jurisdiction to determine child custody in this case. And I think there was a debate, should Singapore be doing it? And uh, nobody really addressed the issue with Singapore refusing to do it. But the judge wasn't going to get in, in, in the middle of all that. But he did say, well, well, let's return it to status quo. And we're going to issue that writ and make sure the child's back with the dad and Singapore. So that's an example of, uh, and it gets used, uh, it does get used. And there uh, are situations where you would really prefer that. And it's a quick way to get it done. Okay. So you want to remember, and, and those are just examples. So I want you to think of the writ of habeas corpus. Really, it's an independent civil proceeding, um, which is used to test the legality of a restraint or a detention, but it's an independent civil proceeding. And when you think of it in those terms, because first of all, the appellate courts uh, uh, and, and really all the courts, you have the Supreme Court, you have the DCA, District Courts of Appeal, and the Circuit Courts, they all have authority to issue writs of habeas. And depending on you know the circumstances, that's going to determine what court you're going to go into. But most of the time, you're going to file a complaint in the Circuit Court, okay, and, and really a trial proceeding. And, and it's, it's called a complaint. Now, when you're, you're up in the higher courts, uh, it's a petition. And then if you're trying to review uh, a lower tribunal uh, action, uh, then you're going to follow Florida Rule of Public Procedure 9.100 uh, and the procedure there with respect to habeas. But when you first uh, file your complaint in the trial court, for a complaint for a writ of habeas corpus. You're going to proceed under Florida Rules of Civil Procedure, uh, believe it's 1.630, and that outlines the proper method and the details on how to proceed with a complaint for a writ of habeas corpus in the trial court. And essentially, you're going to file an initial pleading. It's going to be styled a complaint, uh, and, and that's 1.630B, uh, which tells you your complaint needs to, of course, have a statement of facts and then a statement of the exact relief that you are seeking. And, of course, you're going to want to put your argument and citation of authorities, right? Of course. And you also, as a general rule, 
you want to attach an appendix uh, and make your own uh, record, of course, with uh, what's relevant to the complaint. And that's how you do the complaint for uh, a writ of habeas corpus. Now, one thing to remember also, which is unique uh, with habeas, is there's no filing fee. And actually, it's unconstitutional for the clerk of the court to even charge a filing fee for habeas. So that's not necessary. And the other thing you want to remember about the habeas, writ of habeas, is there's no jurisdictional time limit. So, you know, like some of our writs, not all of them, but some of our other extraordinary writs are a 30-day limit. With habeas, there's no jurisdictional limit, but you always have to remember that you should always act quickly uh, because you're always going to be subject to a claim of mootness uh, if you if you wait too long and the court's going to think, well, it must not be a real issue here. So you do want to act uh, expeditiously, of course. All right. So when we're talking about, you know, the filing of a complaint, okay, um, if the court determines that there's a prima facie case that you've stated in your complaint, then it issues the writ. But in that context, the writ you should look at as an order to show cause. So once you get the order to show cause, then you can actually serve the complaint on the defendant. Okay, so you're going to follow um, the rules of civil procedure. You're going to follow, serve the complaint uh, with your uh, summons. Okay, you have your service of process and actually serve it on the defendant, um, the person or entity that you're directing the writ to. All right, then think of it again as an independent civil proceeding, then the defendant is going to have to file a response. And they're going to do a response, I'm going to answer, just like you do an answer to any other complaint. So they have to put the defenses down that they're required to do or waived. And, and you know, in the rules of civil procedure, uh, it lays out under 1.140, Florida Rule of Civil Procedure is going to lay out what defenses must be raised in the answer or they're going to be waived if you don't. And we all know there are certain defenses. Now, if the case does present a disputed issue of fact, okay, uh, between the parties, the defendant is going to have to say that. And you better go ahead and explain it in the, the answer in your defense. Now, because if you don't, then the court can take it like, okay, uh, then I guess I can decide this just on the pleadings and the argument. And the court will do that unless you raise that defense and, and go ahead and ask for an evidentiary hearing. Um, and then the court can take evidence and proceed on that. So that's how it, you read a lot about habeas written in a lot of articles, but they keep it so darn general. And I think this is uh, it's good to know uh, the practical way of handling the writ of habeas corpus. Um and so, again, I want to emphasize, if you're seeking uh, uh, a writ of habeas directed to a lower tribunal or government agency, you, that's when you definitely want the record, and that's 1.630B. Um, so we there are cases, uh, I, I cited, I think one, uh, but there are others, and uh, we'll just go ahead and include those Um in the journal entry and in our website. But generally, when you're faced with uh, the writ of habeas, you know, look at chapter 79, of course, also. But you want to be uh, very familiar with Florida Rule of Civil Procedure 1.630 and then uh, Florida Rule of Appellate Procedure 9.100, which lays out all the requirements for extraordinary writs 
when you're attempting to invoke the original uh, jurisdiction of the appellate courts. Um, and that's when uh, that would kick in. So as usual, uh, if you have any questions about uh, this writ, uh, by all means, uh, send them to us and we'll be sure to address uh, those uh, issues for you. Uh, thank you again. Um, and we look forward to talking with you next time. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. We hope you will find the information useful in your day-to-day practice. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at jcarroll at jscappeal.com or call our office 561-478-2102. And thank you again for tuning in.